Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, I got a really exciting show for you today. I have someone on the channel who not afraid to speak her mind actually reached out to her after posting a video on Facebook basically calling out Barbara Cochran for putting out nonsense so let's welcome Rochelle Cooper to the show how you doing Rochelle hey Michael how are you doing hey, great well, well first off I, I gotta applaud you not a lot of uh, not a lot of people want to just speak the truth today you, you saw that uh, video from Barbara Cochran I saw a video yesterday from a YouTube kind of guru person basically saying the same thing right buy now prices are down you know if you've been priced out go for it and i'm like what are these people thinking right i mean just I nonsense i know and I, I really do feel bad for buyers right because you know they're looking to her and i'm not saying she's she's a well-respected you know industry vet right yep. and i'm sure maybe that's accurate in her msa uh, but it's not accurate nationwide, right? Um, so I know specifically in Dallas Fort Worth where I'm located, it is absolutely not the case. The price, you know, the average price of the purchases or has gone up more than ten thousand year over year when you compare March, you know, 2020 to 2019. Um, we have less inventory on the market when compared to last year. So there's, you know, still quite a few buyers and not as many houses available. So it's still very much a seller's market in our in or in our area. And people are coming to me like, hey, you know, I know a year ago it didn't work out for us. Two years ago it didn't work out for us. Is now the time? You know, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, it slow down. It's, yeah. you know, and, and then I feel bad because I'm the bearer of bad news, right? <laughs> well, I'm. You know, we've got to put this stuff out there. Not, not. I, I, I don't know what it is. I, maybe it's. I guess both the both Barbara and this other. I don't want to name the other individual. Um, are both real estate brokers. So maybe they're talking their book. Maybe they're like, just, they want to get business in the door. Maybe I, I don't know. As far as Barbara grows, she's probably talking about the highest of high end in the Manhattan market. If you, if you've always wanted a $5 million penthouse in New York, now's <laughs> probably a good time to buy. Maybe. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're in that top 0.0001% of real estate buyers, go for it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, exactly. it's not, it's, it's not what we're seeing. We, we haven't even seen the first, real stress in listings, right? I've invested through the last crash. We haven't seen the capital letters, must sell, any offer. We, the forbearance stuff is going on for four weeks. They have at least 90 days, if not a year. I mean, this is, this is just not the time. So uh, I know we jumped in, Rochelle. Why don't you introduce the audience to who you are, your kind of background in real estate, because we have so much yeah. stuff to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, so my name is Rochelle Cooper. Um, I am a, an investor and a real estate agent here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, I've been in real estate since around 2007. Um, as we talked about before, you know, the crash kind of kicked me out. I did other things um, until I was expecting our third child and decided, hey, it's time to come back. I'm going to leave corporate. Um, so I uh, came back in 2015, and since then, I partnered up with my husband, um, who together we do all of our investments. Um, I am licensed, he is not, and so I do have, you know, probably, I, I do have a good book of business with clients here that he doesn't do, um, so it gives me the opportunity to take care of my clients, make sure they're getting the attention they need while making sure that he's taking care of all the investments. We flip, we do sub-twos, mortgage wraps, we um, do have a number of rentals. Um, so we're only in single family at this time though. 
Wow, there's so much to talk there, talk to right there because I personally believe the next 24 months, maybe 30 months, is going to be the time for creative financing, which would mean sub two wraps, all of that creative stuff. So not a lot of cash out of pocket, but it's about control and it's about helping, right? Because where this is going to come into play, in my opinion, is a homeowner got into a house in the last five years, even new development, but they were in the last five years. They got an FHA loan for three and a half percent down. Prices will eventually fall as these forbearance come to market. And they're going to not have any equity to sell via traditional realtor, such as yourself, right? Absolutely. So it's going to be the people that are creative and can control the property and have the, the balance sheet to, to hold it because it will turn around. It's, it's right. just going to be years. So why don't we talk about 2015 and that moment where you decide to get back in? Um, yeah. I think you said it was after your third child. But what else? Because 2015 in Texas is a pretty good not not great timing. 2012 would have been better, but 2015 is not bad. Right, right. Um, I mean, I think it's one of those things where I saw that the market was healthy again. People were moving. Um, you know, I didn't have any experience in residential because I had been commercial before. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that I could learn quickly uh, just with the experience that I had. Um, and I did have the safety net, which is kind of like, you You know, you had your W2 job and you accrued rentals, right? Mm -hmm. I had a W2 job and I continued to get clients on the side, um, outside of my nine to five yep. and, um, did that too. When we started acquiring properties at first, um, and then come like 2017 is when I finally got the, um, the cojones to, <laughs> <laughs> to kind of go, go, uh, and leave that W2 safety net and, um, my business, my clients and not just the clients, but also our investments, um, tripled in that year alone, just because I actually had the time to leave the office. Right. And like go and see properties during the day and take care of clients. And that's really just, it was like pouring gasoline on the fire in 2017. That's awesome. So let's talk about that transition from 15 to 16, because I think a lot of people are going to be in that situation now. And I'm on record saying, don't just quit your W-2. That was a very popular mantra in 2018, 19. <laughs> Go full time, become a wholesaler. Right. <laughs> Come on, why would you want to put your family at risk? But right. I do think the next couple of years are the time to learn your market, build that side hustle, which was your, you're calling it your book of business, right? Your clients. Yeah. Um, Let's see. What do we want to do first? Why don't we talk about the investment side first, right? What do you remember the first investment? Was it a sub two? Was it a purchase? What was that rental like? Or was it a flip first? What was yeah. first? Yeah. Yeah. It was first, um, or, you know, cash flow. Um, so what happened was, you know, we did a lot of talking. It took us, oh, I don't even know how many months to acquire that first property. And then um, once we acquired that first property, we used hard money and, you know, we were flipping it. I think it was like a month later, we got our second one. And then two weeks later, we had our third. And so all of a sudden we went from having no, never done a flip to having three or four under contract and being rehabbed simultaneously. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a snowball effect because, you know, they talk about analysis paralysis and, you know, it takes you so much longer to underwrite that first deal because you're just so unsure of yourself. Mm -hmm. You finally get it done. And you're like, oh, that really wasn't that bad. And so you cut that time in half and then it cut in half and cut in half. And so mm -hmm. finally you, you all of a sudden have this portfolio out of nowhere. Um, and so that was kind of the experience with us. Um, it, it, got, it went from absolutely nothing to just being drowning in rehabs and contractors and listings and whatnot. 
And um, how we got into rentals was actually we had um, paired up. I always say contractors are good until they're not, right? Yeah. So you have, I mean, I'm sure you probably had this experience where you work with the same set of contractors on a couple of deals and they're great. So you bring it in for the next one and all of a sudden they go AWOL or things start going missing or, you know, just like all sorts of things. And so we had that experience happen where they faked work, you know, mm. they installed the um, like tubs, but they didn't install plumbing underneath the house to let the tub function. Um, you're just like a whole bunch of just, you know, we were paying out upon completion for draws and we kept thinking all this work was done, but they would like, put in an outlet on a wall that they installed and there was no wiring inside the wall, like things like that. Right. Like, um, so anyways, it set us back quite a bit in our budget and, um, we couldn't get the, anybody to buy it. It wouldn't go FHA. We had to go conventional. There's a whole bunch of stuff. So we learned how to refi out of it, the burr method, right. Mm -hmm. On accident. And, um, once we did one burr, you know, which I was like, this is amazing. Let's do another one. Um, and so we would buy them, we'd rehab them, rehab them, we'd rent them out, we'd refinance them. And, um, so we ended up getting three of those. Um, and only recently has that kind of gravy train kind of slowed down a little bit. And (laughs) just because a lot of our, um, small local banks that were really okay with the burr, uh, have kind of said, Hey, let's wait and see what happens with this COVID thing. Um, and then we'll talk about refining, you know, out of those again, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. but, but that's how we got the rentals. Very, very cool. So let's, let's, uh, cause that, that's, that's a great story. So let's just kind of put the numbers behind this. So do you remember how many, uh, deals you did in 2017? Was it six, nine, 10 roughly? Um, probably, I think it was 18. Wow. 18 deals we did. And then, yeah. uh, so what was that? Oh yeah. 17 and then 18. What'd you do? I mean, just give us a ramp. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was actually our ramp is, is in the opposite way. So, you know, we kind of ramped up really fast. Like we talked about, we went from like zero to 60 and I felt like I aged. <laughs> so like I, could, I couldn't handle it. I didn't, you know, it was too much of a good thing, I guess. And, um, we, in 2018, I think we slowed down a little bit. So I think if I'm remembering correctly, 2017, it was like 18 deals that we did. Um, and then 2018, cut that in half. We did okay. like, you know, single digits. Um, 2019, um, we weren't interested in even talking to wholesalers or anybody unless uh, we could hold it as a rental. Like we were only willing to awesome. flip to ourselves. And um, so we did like three or four deals. I wholesaled a little bit because again, I was just trying to avoid flipping. So if I did stumble upon a good deal directly with the seller, I would offload it. Um, to my network that I had gotten over the last, you know, you just by talking to people. Um, so I'd offload it. And so only this year, you know, and I, we were hard set on no more flips. We hate this. And then at the end of last year, it's what you were talking about, how, you know, things, when there are shifts in the market or when things are very traditional in their mindset, um, they don't know what to do with these outside of the box issues. And so over time, I've kind of been in my circle of real estate agents close by the person that I have a problem with this property, I need to offload it. Let's go to Rochelle and she'll either take care of it for us or she'll introduce us to somebody who will take care of the problem for us. Um, and so we acquired some more flips um, at the end of 2019, beginning of this year. And so I think we're already uh, three deep wow. for 2020. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, this is, this is so important for people to hear. You don't have to just go from 18 to 36 to 54, right? Understanding quality of life. You had three kids, at least at the time. I don't know if you had a fourth sense. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, sounds like a lot like to me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah, sounds like a lot. Uh, you know, so again, know what fits your life, quality of life, all of that good stuff. Understand what fits your need. And, and un again, understand the market. I just love the fact that you've, you've built a business that suits you and you become that problem solver. That's going to serve you extremely well the next three years, right? Being that go-to okay. person is going to be, yeah. like, like you said earlier, gasoline on a fire because that's all we're going to see. I invested in the last crash and there was a window of time where almost no traditional sales happened, right? Because yeah. you couldn't compete with bank selling and it's going to happen again. Uh, so being that creative fixer, if you will, is, is going to be awesome. So let's actually, let's talk about your husband first and then we'll go back to how you built your clients up. He was on the yeah. oil rigs. If I remember our quick intro before yeah. we hit record, yeah. what happened there? <laughs> So he was a field engineer, oh, field um, engineer. Okay. down in South Texas. Yeah. Yeah. For an oil company, um, down in South Texas near the Mexican border. And, um, I had, so we have just a little history. We have an 18 year old and then we couldn't have kids for forever. And then all of a sudden God was like, surprise, you're pregnant. <laughs> and so it was, you know, we were okay with being empty nesters at a young age and we were, we were cool with that path. And then the path changed. Um, and so we had a little one and he left the oil field when, um, our middle son Knox was only four months old. So I was working and I had two children by myself. My husband was gone 245 days a year. So oh, out of wow. three, you know, he was, he was gone two thirds of the year, um, on living on location in South Texas and would come home just for a little bit and then go back. Um, so then when we got pregnant with the third child, uh, when our second child was only eight months old, uh, I was like, Oh great. So now I get to do this. You know, I have a little infant or a little baby and I'm pregnant again and I still have work and this teenager and all sorts of stuff. And, um, so I was like, I've got to find a way to get this dude back home to help me. <laughs> Selfish yeah. motivation, right? Like I miss him. I love my husband. But I was like, man, I got to get him back home. And, you know, what we talked about was I was seeing all these properties come up that I knew there was opportunity. There was value add opportunity there. I just didn't know how to capitalize on it. Uh. And so I was like, you know, please, I have enough money. We have enough money, right, as a cushion for you to come home for a little bit, for you to ramp up and learn um, where we'll be okay. We'll be able to pay our bills because I have this W-2 that I'm still working and I've gotten my license and I have my book of business with my clients on the side. It's a side hustle, right? Wow. And so we've got that going. So just please come home, learn how to do this. So that way I can funnel these properties to you as I get them. Yeah. And so that's what he did. Came, you know, we, we hooked up with, you know, local networking groups in Dallas, Fort Worth, learned a ton from a bunch of people that we're still friends with to this day. And they're just amazing resources. And, um, yeah, that's kind of where that went. He manages our book of investments. He underwrites all the deals. He's my numbers guy. I feel like you know, every relationship, right. has to be yin and yang. Um, otherwise like there's no point if y'all are the exact same person and he does all the numbers. He's very analytical. He's very black and white. I'm very much the marketing salesperson that just sees flowers and bright colors and it's all over the place. <laughs> and so he, he definitely helps with that side of it. Uh, I, that's, that's an awesome story. I'm curious, maybe it was after the first deal. Maybe it's after you got your first three, when did he see the light or maybe you saw it together that he would never go back to the oil fields? Cause maybe that was always in the back of his mind as a worst case scenario. When, when did that kind of fall off? Cause I bet that was a good day. Um, you know, I feel like it would be so easy if it was just a smooth linear line. And I was like, you know, at this point, right. Cause there's so much up 
and ups and downs where in investing and in real estate in general, yeah. where the money's just coming in, things are going great. Everything's clicking on all cylinders and all of a sudden it's not anymore. And the, either the deals aren't coming in mm -hmm. or you have the deals, but you've lost money on them or things aren't cash flowing like you thought because of, you know, different repairs you're having to make at properties or, you know, whatever. And so I feel like in 2016, 2017, we felt like he, he's never going back, you know, mm. like sky's the limit, you know, we're the only ones whole, we're the bottlenecks, right. In like our capacity. But other than that, sky's the limit. And then in 2018, we took on a, or well, actually it's 2017, but we didn't feel the effects of it until 2018. We had a, a high end flip that we thought mm. that we were going to do. And yeah, and it ate our lunch and we lost in the six figure range. And so all that momentum that we had built up just overnight gone um, is the way that it felt. Right. And we mm -hmm. still had to do all the work to rehab it and to do all this stuff, knowing, you know, at some point we we're never going to recoup this money. Um, and so after that, that was hard because that's kind of what made us fall out of love with investing sure. after we were riding high for a long time. And so we didn't want to talk about flipping. We didn't want to see the deals, you know, that were being sent our way. We just didn't. And so at that point, we actually even considered him going back to the oil field. Oh. Um, and um, so we started looking at that and all that kind of stuff. And he actually went back for a friend in the real estate industry who had a water hauling company that, you know, does the water hauling for the, the natural gas stuff. And um, I think he was gone three weeks. And what I realized is even with outflips, even if it's just my book of business with my clients, he does so much back end stuff for me where I'll be on the road and I'll call him and I'll say, Hey, I need you to do X, Y, and Z that I feel like I can't replace with an admin. It's something that he's, he's very knowledgeable about different things. Like I need you to run these numbers. I need you to do this. I need you to pull this, send this to someone over here. Da, 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 da. And there was no support for me anymore mm. while he was gone those three weeks. So I think it was like maybe day two. Okay. Yeah, I know I said he was gone three weeks, but day two, I was already like, can you come home now? Can you come <laughs> home now? And so for the rest of the time, I was like, I need you to come home. And we haven't looked back since, um, you know, everything has been great. We found a way to work. Um, we actually started um, where the bulk of our business lies right now is land flipping. Ah. Um, and so it's one of the things where you're talking about where there's a problem, you need to be innovative and you need to solve it. You know, we had those things. Okay. Well, we're not going to flip houses anymore. Or we, so we thought, or we want to drastically cut down. So what do we use to fill that void? Mm -hmm. You need, you have a problem. You need to find another income stream. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's when we started flipping land all over the nation. And so that's kind of, what we do to fill that void now. There's there always, you. always some solution. You got to find it. There you go. Well, I'd be remiss if we didn't kick the rock a little bit on that, uh, on that high end flip. Uh, first and foremost, folks, don't do that. Don't flip in the high end. That's, that's, that's the easiest way to go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. I've seen many, many yeah, people. I cannot, with, yeah. I cannot anymore. Stay in the affordable housing, stay where the most people can buy. Don't do yes. that. Yeah. Don't, don't, yes. don't do that. Um, but I, I guess I'll just ask a couple of questions. Uh, yeah. Remember when you saw it the first time, right? So you don't own it yet. What, what was it about the flip that you're like, ooh, this is going to be a slam dunk home run. Do you remember that feeling? What was it about? Yeah, it? it was a couple of things. So it was really close by. So we live on the outskirts of Fort Worth, um, kind of Northwest. And so a lot of the deals that um, get sent to us are, you know, in Dallas or East of Dallas, they're a haul. Mm. Um, and so this one was 15 minutes away door to door from our house. That was really appealing that something was finally close. Um, <laughs> yeah. and it would be easier to manage. Right. 
the other thing about it was it was very modern, very sleek. And where we uh, live, things are more rustic and traditional. You have your Austin stone. You have like, it was just an entirely different type of design. It was stucco and metal and, mm. you know, large gaping windows. And, uh, you know, my, my, some of the neighbors didn't like it, right? Because they're used to the ranch style stuff out here. And they called it the Beetlejuice house. Um, but <laughs> I thought, Beetlejuice I thought it was, house. yeah. <laughs> reminiscent of that, you know, kind of architecture. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I love this house because it's so sleek and modern and it's, it just stands out like a beacon. Uh, well, again, like he was saying, don't, don't do high end flips. Don't do something that does not conform with the community or with the neighborhood. Even if yeah. you find it absolutely beautiful. I learned that too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was another problem. But uh, the, the thing where we got duped there was, you know, on the outside, it looked, pretty darn finished, you know, on, but then when you walked in, um, the walls were framed. Um, some of them were drywalled, um, you know, but that was it. Like there was no, it, there was no finish out, all finish out. Uh, be done. So it was one of those where it, the construction had stopped because unfortunately the, the homeowner got caught with a lot of drugs and went to prison. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Yeah. And his wife moved to Puerto Rico and, you know, just everybody scattered and this house just sat for years. Um, mm. And so the finish out was a lot more than we had, because we're used to going in and understanding, okay, this needs to be redone. This needs right. to be redone. But then when you consider, okay, this doesn't have, a, have an HVAC unit yet. This doesn't have a septic system yet. This doesn't have this yeah. yet. You know, there's all these things that you don't account for. Um, and what I, we learned on that one was price ceilings. So even if you look at, yeah. the neighborhood right and you're like okay this is what things are selling per square foot and you multiply it out you know by your square footage and everything you also have to look at okay what is the most that anything has sold for in this neighborhood in the history of ever yeah. and um what we thought that the arv was going to be was not what the neighborhood money on rehab we hadn't planned on so got it so really the uh, I don't know. The, the lesson learned there is two, twofold. Really validate the ARV, but also look for the cap, right? Because uh, maybe it's the biggest house in the block or, or yeah. whatnot. And then the other thing is you thought it was maybe 70% done and it was more like 50% done because the finish out uh, wasn't yeah. complete. Okay, very cool. So, so let's go back and talk about working a W-2 and then building up your client business. Because again, People need to realize, and I think that's going to be the thing for 2020 going forward, is keep your W-2 if you can, and then build up this side hustle, which for you was selling residential real estate. So talk about, because again, you had, you had at least two, if not three kids at that point. So that's, and you were, at least for a part of that, your husband was gone 245 days a year. So I mean, how, I mean, how the hell do you do that? Do you figure out a way to stretch the day? Or I mean, that seems impossible. Well, I feel like you're already at that point, not used to not getting sleep. Right. So you might as well just feed off of that and just keep that ball rolling. Okay. Um, I also am blessed with a lot of help. Um, my mom, uh, you know, lived really close to us at that time. Now we've actually sold her house and moved her in to our, okay. our house lives on our property. Um, but she, I wouldn't have been able to do it without her right. obviously. Um, you know, and I think that that was it. I mean, she just watched the kids for me and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think, I, I don't know that I'm honestly 100% opposed to just going rogue and quitting your W2. I feel like it depends on where you are in life, right? Okay. For me, I was older, right? Like I'm about I'll be 38 this year. I have three kids, you know, in that situation. I have a mortgage. I have all these different things. 
it makes zero sense, right, for me in that situation to leave my W-2 and get rid of that safety net and then just go rogue um, because I have all these people depending on me. Yeah. Um, you know, had I been 21, no kids, not married, you know, if, you know, the bottom falls out, you know, and I could move back in with my parents, even if that was demoralizing, you know, <laughs> but it was there. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I might do the quit, quit in the W2, but okay. I feel like for most of us, um, that are used to eating and used to having, you know, our own space. Yeah. Diapers, <laughs> really diapers like are important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and so that kind of stuff, I feel like, okay. yes, the W2 is incredibly important. I feel like um, you know, when you talk about people's needs and, you know, like people's love languages and the different things, mine is security. I know that uh, for a fact. Yeah. Um, security is important to me. It's what will keep me up at night. If things are out of balance, if I don't feel secure, it's what will make me an unkind person. Um, and so you, you have to know yourself, right? Some people aren't like that. Um, but I am so grateful that my W2 allowed me to learn my craft uh-huh. and to grow that business and people to, you know, for that to spread word of mouth and then for me to learn. So that way I can't be that problem solver that I am today. Very, very cool. That's awesome. So now let's talk about the Dallas market. Um, you know, what, what have you seen? What have you seen in the last, I don't know, let's call it six, eight weeks uh, in the Dallas market? Mm-hmm uncertainty. <laughs> ah, define that. What does that mean? I like it though. Yeah. It's right. But what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, what I'm seeing is uncertainty. I don't see doom and gloom. Mm. Um, and that's a very important distinction because, um, when all this hit back in March, I had 26 active files going, wow. um, which is, you know, quite a bit for one person. I don't have a team. It, you know, I mean, I have my husband, but he's not licensed. Um, and so, uh, we went from 26, literally you no, know, in a week when all this started happening. And each day we were getting more restrictive and more restrictive with mm-hmm. what we could do or where we could go and who was going to be able to show up to work the next day and that kind of stuff. And, um, a lot of my guys said, you know what, let me, I'm not going to list right now. I'm going to hold back. I'm just want to, I just want to see what ha- what's happening, what's happening with the market, with rates, um, mm-hmm. with the number of buyers, um, or buyers said, you know what, I, I just want to see what's going to happen with my job personally. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. Um, and then as we move forward, you know, now we're like 40 something days out, uh, into this, you know, social distancing and restrictions are starting to be lifted slowly. People have started to call me and say, okay, we're, we now need to list. We're going to list now or, okay, you know what, my job's safe. Um, you know, I can handle the pay cut I've gotten, whatever it is. And now they're buying again. And so those 26 files have either closed are now moving forward, whereas they weren't before, or um, very few of them have dropped off and are not going to be doing anything. So it's just moving ahead cautiously, slowly, and just taking in information and trying to process what that means to them. I think this is awesome data. So let's let's really break down those twenty six files, right? Yeah. Right. So the you have twenty six files. You're you're going in to work. Blah blah blah. Life is normal. This thing hits over the next probably seven to ten days you probably get some pause buttons. Did any of those 26 just continue like nothing happened or did they all pause? Okay. No, I would say seven. I think seven of them did go ahead and move forward and they were in a position where other balls were in motion where they had to. Right. So like I had another person who 
their house was almost completely built, their new house. So they had to go ahead and sell and then just kind of wait and see and cross their fingers and hope that they found buyers. They were in multiple offers in three days. There you go. Um, they were prepared to sit there for 30, 60, 90 days, whatever needed to happen for them to move into that new house. Um, we had people that were going to relocate. We had people who um, had already ended leases with their tenants that yeah. they needed to rehab the house and get sold so that we could 1031 into new properties. Um, Cause some of my clients are investors. Um, you know, so those guys did go ahead and just decided it was worth it and they would take however long they needed to, to, to sell or to, to buy. Okay. So 26, seven of them move forward because of other events. Again, real estate is like that. It, it, sometimes you just have to, right? It's life right. events, you know, force you to move yeah. forward. All right. So those other 19 uh, going forward, now we're into this 40 days. How many of those have come back now and said, okay, uh, let's either list or write an offer or whatnot? Um, I believe I'm at 10 right now. So I have 10 that are, you know, actively going forward and the other nine are still in the pattern. Okay. And then of those other nine, do you think any of them have just disappeared? Like they don't want to trade up or move or do you think they're just, you know, they're more being more cautious and there there'll be a transaction in, or at least a listing in two to three weeks. Yeah, I think that um, I'll be able to recoup all nine of those okay. for the most part. I feel like um, everybody's tolerance for uncertainty is different. Yeah. Um, and so these are more my more cautious ones. And I don't, I can't fault them for that at all. No, oh, not at all. I mean, no, this is, yeah, absolutely. I was just curious because yeah. that's, that's really, that's great data, right? You come into this just crushing it, 26, um, seven move forward because of other events, 10 have come back after 40 days. And the other nine will, will trickle in as they feel more comfortable. That's right. That's, that's reasons to be excited. That's reasons for the market. Maybe not to fall as much as I thought. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty awesome. Uh, the other thing I'll ask is of the 26, how many of them were on the buy side versus the sale side? Do you remember? Um, my, my files are typically, uh, split 50, 50. Oh, okay. Um, so it, I typically lean more towards sales mm-hmm. side of it. Um, but it, I think on this 26, I was skewed, uh, still a little bit more to the sales side Okay. and just slightly less on the purchase. Yeah. Like 14, 12, whatever. Okay. That's cool. That's, that's fun. So if you were to put on your crystal ball, and I know this is totally crystal ball and yours is broken just know, like right. mine, blah, 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 <laughs> all those caveats. Um, where do you see Dallas? I don't know. Thanksgiving, Christmas time this year. Let's stay inside 2020. Um, yeah. You, you think there's any price deterioration? I think there's probably price deterioration at the high end, but where, where oh, do you yeah. see it for most people? Yeah. So um, most of my clients are not the high end clients. Um, I will go ahead and say that because we talked about that a little bit in mm-hmm. the beginning. Um, most of my guys are, are pretty middle income um, mm-hmm. area. They're, they're teachers, they're nurses, they're, um, you know, IT workers, things like that. Um, the great thing about Dallas Fort Worth is that we're a huge logistics hub. And so uh, what I've been seeing here is that most people are deemed essential um, because of what they're doing or they're able to work from home remotely. And so they really haven't, you know, lost much stride there. And so the ones that we're seeing that are most impacted by this, right, are those in the restaurant industry, those in sure. retail, um, those that are working in salons or gyms. And mo- for the most part, other than salons, because, you, um, you know, 
some of those hairstylists, like my hairstylist banks, uh, I'll be <laughs> honest. <laughs> but a lot of those people, they're not my homeowners, right? They're, uh, they're still renters. If, yeah. if I'm a server at a restaurant, I'm not making enough in Dallas Fort Worth to purchase a home. Same thing if, um, you know, I'm working at TJ Maxx or home goods, you know, like right. I'm a renter. Yeah. Um, and, and so a lot of these people that, uh, are our home buyers in this market are still working. So I really feel like, yes, there's going to be some softening of the prices. Like you were t- alluding to, um, I do feel like our market's still going to be very strong yeah. just because of, you know, things come in or shipped in, come into the ports. Yeah. They are driven up to, or on rail to Dallas, Fort Worth. We're a huge hub for rail. Um, and then they go elsewhere nationwide. And that's what Dallas, Fort Worth is known for in Texas. Um, and so a lot of people survive off of that and that's not going to change, right? Like we're still yeah. ordering prime. I don't know about you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> right? Every day. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, I, I really feel like we're going to be okay for this one, especially awesome. I, I'm interested to see what happens, right? Like after all these, um, restrictions are lifted slowly. And then I just want to see, you know, is there going to be a resurgence, you know, are we going to be more restrictive again? Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that's going to be a huge deciding factor on what, com- what happens come Thanksgiving or end of yeah. year. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, uh, I got to say, you've made me feel better, uh, which is not easy to do. <laughs> I, w- I was, again, maybe I have too many scars from the last crash and, and, and I'm overthinking it, but I, I love how, I love the approach. And again, this is for most folks. I think the high end is a totally different market. The jumbo loans yeah. aren't there. I mean, there's this, oh, that's yeah. its own thing, but I don't play there. So I don't really care all that much. Exactly. <laughs> but let's, let's talk about the other side, your investor side. What, what do you, what do you see November, December there? Do you see more transactions? Do you see Rochelle, the fixer getting more inventory or do you think it just doesn't happen? Well, I, my first instinct is to say, I really hope I get more transactions, right? Like I'm actually really excited, but then I don't want to, because as a human, I don't want yeah. people to be in turmoil, right? Like I don't want people to lose their houses. Yeah. Um, but I will say that, um, that's the great thing is, is that as my business may, might slow down as a traditional real estate agent, it's, going to pick up at, on the investor side, yeah, right? Exactly. With opportunity for us to take care of things sub two, um, you know, to get deeded over properties and use them as rentals or wrap the mortgages and sell them, um, you know, to save people from foreclosures, sure. um, whatever it may be. So I, I just kind of feel like I really hope I don't see as many people as I think I'm going to see lose their homes. Um, but I just think it's, it reeks of opportunity either way, you know, and that, that does sound bad, but as a yeah. fixer, yeah, no, I, I think you've built an amazing business and you're so right. When one side takes off, the other one goes down. And when it flip flops, you're so balanced, right? Cause it, let's just say you go from having 26 files to six. Well, that probably right. means your, your investor side has more opportunity. Um, and if that Absolutely. dries up, you have, you have more transactions. That's uh that's a wonderful business. So how does your, what is your husband doing when you're just slammed with 26 files and all of that? Is he watching the kids or what's going on? Yeah, yeah, he is (laughs) honestly, um, you know, or, or taking care of the, 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 we work on our investment side is, you know, he handles acquisition, manages it, 
um, all the contract negotiation with, you know, the, the buyer, all that kind of stuff. And so he kind of assumes some of those roles that I normally do on the investment side, yep. but yeah, he's, he's a huge help with the kids. Cause I do feel guilty a lot about not being there. So, but yeah, it, I do want to say one thing, Michael, I was sure. watching one of your recordings on another YouTube episode that you did and you were talking about something that I think is so vitally important to this. So we have a bunch of these people who've owned their own homes for a long time. And other than this, you know, COVID-19 pandemic have really no huge blips on their, you know, their record. Right. And so they may be losing their homes and then they turn into renters as opposed to homeowners. And like you were talking about, they're not going to want to go back to apartment. No chance. They have, no chance. Yeah, right? They have like these kids and these animals and a boat and maybe an RV and they have like all this stuff. And so there's just no way that they're going to a third floor apartment. No chance. And yeah. so they're going to be renting a house, maybe even in their own neighborhood that they're currently living in. And that's where, that's what makes me as an investor feel good, right? About sub twos, mm -hmm. because we can go in, we can get deeded the property. We can maybe give them some money in their pockets um, and then turn around. And in some cases we rent to that same family, Sometimes, that, yeah. you know, in that house. or if it's not that same family and that family moved on, it's somebody that we feel good about as tenants, right? Like mm -hmm. they're very well vetted. We know that we're They're going to pay, yep. but they just have this blip for this one time period, which is yeah. completely understandable. And they may be in that house for us for years. Yeah, no, they um, will. They, they, people live in yeah. houses. They don't want to move. They want the backyard. They want right. the place for the boat and all right. that, you know, there's stuff in the garage. It's, and we don't want turnover. So it, it's beautiful. Yeah. And so I think that I, I loved that part of your video. I was like, that is exactly what I see coming. You know? Yeah, me too. I, I agree. 100%. Me too. Well, let's get you some more business. Uh, if people need a fixer in the Dallas uh, Fort Worth area, how can they get a hold of you? Is it email? Is it phone? Is there a website? Uh, I want to blow up your business. A lot of people want to invest in Texas. So again, if you're looking to invest in Dallas, call Rochelle. If you're looking to need a fixer in Dallas, Texas, call Rochelle. How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really accessible. So um, you can find me on Facebook, Crest Properties, uh, DFW. You can also, CrestProperties.net is our website. Uh, text is always amazing for me because I, I respond very quickly 817-437-1175 um, and of course my email address is rochelle at crestproperties.net so any one of those ways I'll respond pretty quickly very very cool well thank you for doing this this has been a lot of fun and again you made me feel better so thank you very much <laughs> thanks for having me on Michael it's great talking to you you got it take care <laughs> bye